So hear with me now this text from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Listen for a word from God. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten young women took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those young women got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other young women came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us today. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Uh, Forgive my voice, it has been going out, but I think I have saved enough of it to get through. Um, I was really good at cramming when I was in high school and college. Cramming, if you are not an expert like me, means waiting until the last possible minute to study before some kind of test or project or paper, and I was so good at it. I was very busy in those years of my life in high school and college, and I liked having the pressure of a deadline and the big dedicated chunk of time, usually overnight, before something was due where I could put all my attention on one thing. I see some of the teachers in the room kind of snickering and smiling. (laughs) Forgive me on behalf of all crammers and procrastinators everywhere. But I got so good at it. The highlight was my junior year of high school when I had something called an author study due. And for my literature class, we had to pick an author and read four of their books and then write a 25-page paper. And up until the night before this author study was due, I had only read one book by the author. I chose Ray Bradbury. So the night before, I had to read three books and write a 25-page paper, and I pulled it off, and I got an A. I, you know, barely skimmed, of course, pulled random quotes and just did what I could do with my procrastinating, cramming magic, but I got so good at waiting until the last minute and getting as much knowledge as I could and just sort of throwing it out there. So as some of you teachers know, and as neuroscientists tell us, being prepared has nothing to do with cramming. When you are cramming, you're putting all of this information in your short-term memory and you can regurgitate it, but you are not actually learning it. It does not sink in and you're able to sort of perform in the moment, but cramming is actually quite the opposite of being prepared. 
our parable story today speaks a lot about what it means to be prepared. Prepared for the coming of the bridegroom, prepared for the coming of Jesus, prepared for the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in some way. What does it mean to be prepared? It's a tricky parable, one that we don't really love to talk about or teach. In fact, when we talk about parables with kids here at the church, we use these gold boxes. And at the beginning of every parable lesson, we say, you know, parables are kind of like this. It's like they're in a box with a lid, and sometimes they can be ugh, really hard to open. In fact, sometimes we have to come to them again and again and again before they will open for us. And then even when they do open, sometimes the things we find inside are tricky and we don't quite know what goes where, what to do with it. We have to turn it all over again and again and we have to invite other people to help us and we have to come back to parables to see how they will open for us. I think that is very true of this parable, at least for me. It's one that I come to and I think, well, now parts of this seem to contradict what I know about Jesus from other parts of the Bible, and parts of it seem to be telling us to do things that feel a little off. And I think that's because so many of us want parables, want teachings, want stories of Jesus to have a very clear answer and application. A one-to-one, this equals this, so that means I should do this, and it is settled. But when we come to the Bible like that, I think we actually miss a lot. And I've come to appreciate these tricky parables more and more because it requires that we go back and we wrestle and we talk to other people and we sit with it and we wonder. This parable is a story about ten young women. As some translations say, ten bridesmaids. And that is their role in this story. They are guiding the groom in the way of a wedding celebration. And the wedding tradition in this time was that the groom would go to the house of the bride, to her household, her parents' household, and pick her up the day of the wedding and then go on this sort of parade processional through the village. And the wedding celebration was this ceremony of going from her home, her family of origin, to his home to mark the transition of their covenant and their new life together. And this sort of parade would take a long time and be celebratory, and the role of the bridesmaids was to meet the procession, to meet the groom on the other end, and it would be night by this point, and they would light the way into the banquet celebration. So their lamps are the whole point. Their light is what guides this ceremony to its place of feast and banquet and celebration. And in this parable, the the bride is not mentioned. We're not quite clear on if she's there with the bridegroom, if this is part of that processional or what is happening. But for whatever reason, the groom is delayed. And so the bridesmaids are there waiting for their role to lead the party into the banquet. And they wait and wait and wait and eventually fall asleep because it has been so long. 
they hadn't expected it would take that long. And so some are prepared and some are not when at midnight, finally someone says, here comes the groom, let's guide the way. Some of them have enough oil that their lamps can continue burning and some do not. And the parts of this parable that are oh, so frustrating for me are that the wise women will not share the oil that they do have. Instead, send the others away to go buy their own oil as they greet the groom and go into the banquet together and shut the door. And then, when the ones who had to leave to go buy more oil come back, the groom will not let them in. It's a tricky parable. Hard to open up. Matthew writes this parable to a particular group of people at a particular time. He is speaking to a group of Jesus followers who are trying to navigate the world after Jesus has died and been raised and ascended into heaven, and they had thought that Jesus would have come back already. They had thought that things would be peaceful and the kingdom of God would be fully ushered in and they would be at peace. But instead, they are facing persecution, they are suffering, they are seeing loved ones harmed, and they are struggling. So Matthew reminds them of this story and highlights the idea of this group of people waiting for something, waiting for a world that is not actually there and encourages them, the wedding is still coming. Be ready, even if there's delay. I wonder what stories you and I tell ourselves when life isn't what we thought it would be. What stories do we tell ourselves when we experience some kind of delay and we're not where we'd wanted to be? Those are the moments when I think we realize how much oil is in our inner reserves. And this isn't an outward, shareable kind of fuel. It's something within. Pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber likens it to a story that she heard about a woman and a precious stone. And the story goes that this woman was out hiking in the wilderness and found this valuable, amazing, precious gem at the bottom of a river. And she picks it up and puts it in her bag. And then the next day, a fellow traveler comes and is hungry. And so the woman opens her bag to share food. And the traveler sees the gem and says, can I have that? And she gives it to him gladly. He goes away with it, celebrating his good fortune because this is such a rare, amazing gem that he can sell it and have all the money he will ever need. And he is celebrating. And then something changes. And he comes back a day later to find the woman and says, I'd like to give you this back, but trade it for something even more valuable. If I give this back to you, could you give me whatever it is within you that allowed you to first give it to me so generously? That's what I really want. Those are the things that are not actually shareable, though, are they? that inner experience of God that allows us to be gracious and compassionate and giving. This is what I think these ten young women were seeking and what the five actually had that they couldn't share. 
what do we do when life doesn't turn out like we expected and we find ourselves waiting and waiting and drawing on our inner reserves? There's a few things I want to clarify that I think this parable is not saying. I do not think this parable is saying you should never rest. I do not think this parable is saying you should always be in an anxious state where you do not let yourself grow weary. In fact, earlier in Matthew, we hear Jesus saying, lay down your burdens, take up my yoke, it is light, give yourselves rest, embrace Sabbath, know that you are worthy of rest. I do not think this parable is saying it's all about how much you have and we should not be generous to those who are not as prepared as we are. I also do not think this parable is saying there is no grace for those who come to God late. The hymn we sang right before the scripture reading was about that verse also from Matthew about ask, seek, knock, the door will be opened to you. These are things we can know about Jesus because of all of who he was, and when that parable rubs against those teachings in a certain way, I think it allows us to ask the deeper question. The question I take to this parable is this. When life isn't what I thought it would be, do I have a reserve? A reserve of that inner experience of God that allows me to light the way for myself and for others. I became a real expert at cramming in high school and college, but as life has gone on, I have realized that there are a few things that you absolutely cannot cram for, no matter how hard you try. Number one is going to the dentist. (laughs) No matter how many times you floss the day before your appointment, that dentist is going to be on to you. You cannot cram for having good, healthy teeth. You cannot cram for marathon training. You can't just run 28 miles the day before the race and think your body's going to be in order. You cannot cram for therapy. I had a therapist once who would give me uh, great homework that was difficult and emotional, and I realized pretty quickly I can't just do it in the hour before I meet with her. This is soul work that takes time. You cannot cram for developing the inner reserve of faith that helps you be aware of God's kingdom all around you. It's a practice that needs cultivated and tended with other people, with community. That's not to say we can't call on God at the very end, but to develop the kind of light where we might lead others into the way requires practice and attention. The inner experience of God can steady us when life doesn't go as planned, and that is one that requires practice. This is a parable that is difficult to open, and I wonder how it opens to you today, and how it might open to you tomorrow, or the next day, or the next day. For me today, 
the parable reminds me that the kingdom of God is hard to predict, and it might not look like what or like when I had imagined. Today, this parable reminds me that I can't cram for readiness to follow God's spirit, but that I have to be ingrained in the way of it. And finally, this parable to me reminds me that I have to work to cultivate that kind of light that might help guide others into the celebration of fulfillment of God's presence. Today, we get to practice that celebration when we gather at the table for communion. We get to remind ourselves and one another of what it means to be open at a table and invited no matter what state we come in. I wonder how this parable opens to you and how your inner light is awakened today. Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for the light that you give to us. I pray that you would kindle it within us and teach us how to keep the embers burning. Help us to be aware of your spirit and awake even as we rest. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.